And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. Welcome to. Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan. And I'm joined by El Nino himself, the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you after the Boston Celtics and Jalen Brown agree to a five-year Supermax extension worth Three hundred and four million dollars. That's so much money. It's the largest deal in NBA history, which is that's going to become like it's going to be the largest deal in NBA history for what, like a, a couple months or like maybe a year, yeah, a short like while. At, at one point, Mike Conley signed the biggest deal in NBA history, so that's not really a big thing, but it's the biggest kind of final domino, I would say, to drop this summer in the Celtics offseason. Kind of thought it was going to get done. Everyone assumed it was going to get done. There's kind of just a speculation about what it would include. This does not include a player option, so it's five full years. There is a trade kicker in there, and so if I think I understand what a trade kicker is, the salary increases if he were to be traded. It's something that I is correct. Something he can waive if he's potentially traded, but. They lock in, the Celtics lock in their number two star on their team, an all-NBA player, pretty much what everyone expected them to do. Jay, what is your reaction to this $304 million deal? I didn't have much of a reaction just because I figured all along this is what was going to happen. And the Celtics have given off every indication that they intended for this to happen. Guys just don't turn down super max deals, so kind of figured Jalen would be in for making three hundred four million dollars, the biggest contract in NBA history. Um, so this is something that, like, even though it took a while to get done, and seemed like there were other people around the the league a little intrigued by the length of time that happened and starting to speculate what's going on, the Celtics always gave off every indication that they were going to sign Jalen Brown to a Supermax extension, keep him paired with Jason Tatum and now Chris Dapps Porzingis and move forward with that core. And when you look at it, I think it's obvious like roster building questions are going to come sooner than later. They're, they're going to be Brad Stevens is going to face. He's going to encounter difficulties about, whether to drop certain salary, like who to keep, how much depth do they need? How much depth can they afford? How much are the owners willing to spend? Is it 
wise to go over the second apron and have all those restrictions. But um, I don't think the Celtics really had many other options here. It was just kind of, you have a really good team. You have a bunch of very talented dudes who are in their 20s in Jason Tatum, Chris Dasporzingis, Jalen Brown, Derek White. Um, there are other ones in their 20s too, but but those are the, the main core pieces. Robert Williams, throw him in there if you want. He's another guy and, in his 20s, yeah. And now they have all of those guys signed for multiple years and they can keep this thing going for as long as they want we can talk about like just the the issues they're going to have the roster crunch that's going to come and what they could do then but i think this was the way to continue to compete for championships in the short term and set up yourself hopefully in the long term to to navigate the difficulties of the new CBA, although that will be challenging. Yeah, in the short term, one, this doesn't affect the cap at all for this upcoming season because the extension doesn't kick in until the following yep. year. They'll still they're still set up to be under the second apron, uh, barring any big change. And so this core of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown has shown you that they give you a chance to compete for championships. They made the finals two years ago. They were close to making the finals last year. Basically, all you want, I feel like, in the NBA is you want to get a chance to be in the conference finals. You don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs, but having these two guys as your core pretty much makes you, what, a top five team in the league? It gives okay, you a so, chance so let's, to compete. So let's talk about that. Because is it those two guys who have made them the core, or is it those two guys plus a great supporting cast? Because I think that's an important question. And one that the Celtics will need to find out the answer to or predict the answer to because, like, I think it's pretty clear that with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and a great supporting cast, the Celtics will be one of the best teams in the league every year. What happens if the new collective bargaining agreement keeps them from having a great supporting cast? Will they be good enough to compete for championships then? I think the answer is yes, because they are not the only teams having to operate under this new collective bargaining agreement. And every other team in the league is going to have probably if they're going to be in this kind of championship contender role, they're going to have two max guys and they're going to run into the same problem that the Celtics are going to run to down the road, where I just think we're going to see a lot different ways of of kind of roster building where you're just not going to have as much depth and I think the thing that's crazy about Jason and Jalen is that back like they are still super young and I think back in the day you would say like a player doesn't hit their prime till like they're what like 28 and both of these guys are years before that prime and so I think you have to imagine that both of them are going to continue to get better and so we'll get into like how this changes the roster with the years coming. They also have like the Chris Tapps Porzingis extension. And that's like in two or three years from now, that's going to be a lot of the cap. But I think moving forward with all like the, just the new CBA having two max guys in their prime, I think, and if they continue to get better, I think they're still going to be in championship contention, no matter really who is the, the like a uh, kind of core around them. Like, I think they're still going to be able to find some players, but 
I do think in a kind of a star driven league, having these two guys is uh, like it's the first thing you need to kind of build a contender. You worry about the surrounding parts later, but it's like getting the stars is always like the most important thing. Yeah, and and the Celtics have that, and and you're right about that. Um, and like they were so close to building a championship team or having a championship two years ago. Like a couple fourth quarters go differently, they win a title. Um, this year things kind of fell apart <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals for whatever reason, and. Now, I mean, so it's going to be a different, it's going to be a drastically different team no matter what. And they're counting on Chris Asperzingis to fill some of the holes that they've had in the playoffs recently. And not like in every playoff game, but deep in the playoffs against certain types of teams, certain types of defenses, certain caliber of opponent, their offense late in games just wasn't always there. And I think that's the the biggest issue for them to solve. Um, and Porzingis is their attempt to solve that. He's going to be the guy to help beat switching defenses. He's going to be the guy to help beat zone defenses. He's going to be give them a chance to play Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at the two and three more often, which is a look that the Celtics as an organization believe has been fantastic when they've been able to do it the past couple of years. They didn't do it last year for various reasons part of which was just Robert Williams didn't play a lot and it was tough to build a team around a guy who played 35 games in the regular season, build an identity around a guy like that. Um, and so they're, they're banking basically that, or maybe they're not even banking. Maybe this is just, just their only option, right? <laughs> like, okay, let, let's let's back up before the the extension. What what else could they have done? They could have tried to trade Jalen Brown, right? Well, he had one year left on his deal, and probably because of that, didn't have very much value. If they had traded him, he wasn't going to be able to sign a supermax extension with somebody else. Therefore, he would have almost definitely hit free agency and would have been a flight risk. And you're just not going to get a lot for a guy in that situation. They're probably, even though his deal is like probably going to be, it's going to over, like value wise, just value wise, it's going to overpay him uh, in all likelihood. Um, that doesn't really matter, maybe to the Celtics, but if you're, if you eventually need to trade him, then it could. Um, that said, he'll be in the, probably in his prime years, assuming good health, he should be in his prime years. And you can normally trade guys who are of his caliber for something. And and I think Jalen Brown with four years left on a Supermax, even one that will pay him $69 million in the final year, probably has more value than Jalen Brown with one year left and could absolutely walk after the season. So from a sheer value standpoint, even though you're paying him a ton of money, um, he probably has more trade value moving forward just because as he can't be traded for a year should be wor worth pointing that out now that like goodbye to your Jalen Brown, Damian Lillard dreams. If you had those, which I don't think you should have because mm -hmm. Damian Lillard is much older and think the Celtics have won a lot because they have two well-rounded wings who can do a little bit of everything on the basketball court. And in some cases, a lot of everything on the basketball court. Um, but like, 
I can see where this could go not great. <laughs> like, I could see where this – and by not great, I just mean where it falls short of a championship, which is the ultimate goal, right? Win a championship. But they're, like, they're going to get – they're going to be in contention. Like, I, it, for it to really – to me, I don't see them – like, obviously the goal is to win a championship, but, like, they're going to be contenders in the East, I think, for as long as they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the team. And I think <clears> – <throat> They're going to have to figure out, just as every other GM is going to have to figure out, how to operate in this space with this new CBA, with this second apron. And I think moving forward, like people have talked about like, oh, are you going to trade Jalen towards the end of this deal because he's going to be making so much money? I don't think like that's necessarily the move. Like when I'm looking at the roster sheets and the cap sheets, like moving on to the future years, (laughs) Malcolm Brogdon's not going to be on this team in 24-25. Like if you're just like looking at how much money, and I'm going, this is entirely based off a, a Reddit post on our Boston Celtics, so I'm taking this as fact. <laughs> but they basically have $200 million committed to uh, the roster in 24-25, and that's about a million dollars, less than a million dollars below what the expected second apron line. It blows past the luxury tax. So you're paying taxes no matter what. But like in that market, does it make sense to pay Malcolm Brogdon $22.5 million to come off the bench? Like, I do think they have uh, space for kind of more flexibility, but I don't necessarily think it means you have to part ways with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. It just means you have to get a lot more value from guys off the bench, and you just can't afford to pay a sixth man over $20 million. And you're the thing that's interesting about Brad's kind of roster building in the last couple of years is he's traded away basically every first-round pick he's had and so there's not a lot of guys right now on the roster with like the rookie scale contracts who are kind of uh, have that team friendly deal to build around. So I think that's going to be the major focus of team building starting in 24, 25 when the Brown deal kicks in. And then especially such in 25, 26, when presumably Jason Tatum's Supermax kicks in is where can you build around the margins where you're not going to be able to have a luxury like Malcolm Brogdon Um the fact that they locked in Time Lord at like $12 million a year, I think is like a steal, but they're going to have to start like trying to identify those players um, now and maybe sign to longer extensions now uh, just to try and have the people on the cheap who you can put around those players. I don't necessarily think it's like, oh, just because you're paying Jason Jalen Brown $69 million at the final year of his deal, you have to trade him. I think all the tougher decisions are going to be around the margins of like what role players can you actually bring in to kind of support your two main stars. Yeah, and, and obviously, like, they think Porzingis is going to fit really well. I think Derek White is a huge part of what they're doing and how they see themselves moving forward. I think I would put him in that core group of guys that they, they really want to to build around. His, his contract situation is probably one that they'll look to extend at some point. Because <laughs> uh, he's only know. signed through the 24-25 season. And so it'll be interesting. He's probably their, what, fourth best player now? I guess it depends where you value him versus Porzingis. But I think he has a major question about like how, what happens with his contract once the Tatum uh, kind of extension kicks in in that 25-26 season. Yeah, and I don't think at this point with – like they they still have Brogdon, obviously. But without Marcus Smart, like Derek White is pretty indispensable to – to this team and everything they're doing. Like you need a starting level point guard who, and he fits 
really well next to the rest of those guys. So I would I would see him as like extension candidate in the future. Um that would be my guess. But and so the Celtics now have to determine like can this core win right away? Can this core win in the future? If they can't, then Jalen Brown, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, whoever else become trade fodder at some point. And if they can, you just try to, like you said, just hit around the margins and hopefully pick up some cheaper guys or just have ownership take on a huge luxury tax bill and keep the same team together for a while. And that that's going to come, that would come with huge roster building restrictions because this new collective bargaining agreement is like very strict against the team's that will go all in and but i think that's an option like and maybe it's not because ownership would say no that we don't want to have a huge tax bill we don't want to pay oh they're gonna million, pay the tax whatever. they're gonna pay they're the going, tax they're, they're gonna pay significant tax they have paid significant tax um but there's a difference between paying significant tax and having a tax bill of like a hundred something million dollars or Two hundred million dollar, whatever it would be. I don't. I haven't crunched the numbers on that. Um, but like, th- there's a world where you could keep the guys who are on on the roster, try to move some of the salary, like Malcolm Brogdon's salary and whatever salary filler you can find, plus three picks and pick swaps, or four picks and pick swaps. And try to get another star on this team. <laughs> that would that be seems like crazy talk. It would be enormously expensive, and it would be maybe totally insane. Um, but like that would be an option, and and maybe that would be palatable to ownership if they think they can win a number of titles with that group. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but I think this was a move. The Jalen extension, no matter what you think of it, I think it's something the Celtics basically had to do. Because any trade for Jalen Brown, any realistic trade, probably would have made them worse, would have pushed them farther away from championship contention. And like when you really think about it, he and Jason Tatum fit really well together. And the Celtics know the path to building a great team around those guys, which is be huge, be versatile, have a lot of outside shooting, and you're going to win a lot of games and you'll give yourself a chance in the playoffs. And we've seen it the last couple of years. Um, and we've they're seen trying, them. they're trying something different though, which I like, it's a big swing with Porzingis, especially giving him his extension, but they basically had this core, uh, with Marcus smart. And it was like, they had the two bigs defense first that went to the finals. They basically brought that exact same team back, added, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, but they went with Missoula ball and shot, you know, 53s a game but it was a similar core and I appreciate them like trying to take a swing it's like all right let's try and add, get more size in here we still have our top two guys but like let's bring in another talented person I think the bit like that's the the success of the the Celtics over the next three seasons feels the the most obvious is like obviously Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are like they have to play well and like improve but it's like really how well Chris Taps Porzingis can help them. And it'll really like 
be on how much Chris Tapp's Porzingis trying to changes this team, maybe makes them more dynamic in the play, uh, playoffs, as you mentioned further. It feels like the Chris Tapps thing is like the huge part of it. Like, no matter what they did, it feels like extending Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown was just always just going to happen. That's what happened when you draft stars and superstars. You extend them, and then you figure out the rest later. And so it feels like the the big thing here is Chris Tapps Porzingis and the decision to extend him. Now you have this timeline where, again, things get very interesting in the 25-26 the season where you have Porzingis, Tatum Brown, Robert Williams, and Jordan Walsh, and you're already paying those guys $160 million. Um, you basically have uh, to fill out the rest of the roster there with like $60 million. Again, this is according to a Reddit post by the underscore sportsologist. So shout out to that guy for giving his fodder. But it's really like with the Porzingis extension, that's the final year of his deal. That's when Tatum's extension kicks in. That's when you're really going to have to answer the questions. I think they have a lot more flexibility, at least this season and then next season, to try and figure these things out. And I think that's enough time to figure out whether or not the Porzingis kind of experiment is working. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and who knows? Like, maybe it'll work amazingly. It could work. He's pretty good. <laughs> like, he's pretty tall, too. <laughs> he's very tall. He and Robert Williams are going to swat everything. Like, good luck scoring against those two near the basket. It's not going to happen. The Celtics are going to be like Milwaukee East with so much rim protection. You're just not going to score on them inside. And they're going to have tons of outside shooting, more outside shooting than they even had last season because Sam Hauser is probably going to play more. And Chris Asporzingis is taking Marcus Smart's minutes, role, spot, whatever. Do you think there's a chance their like three point attempt rate or like threes attempted per game goes up from even the absurd number it was last year? I wouldn't be shocked. Although Porzingis isn't like a super high volume guy, he shot about the same number last season that Marcus Smart did, and maybe that will change with Joe Mazzulla telling him to Just fire screaming, away, screaming at him to shoot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe playing Hauser more will raise that. Maybe playing Pit- Pritchard more will raise that. He really gets him up. Um, but I don't think it will change too significantly, especially if like Al Horford shot a fair amount of them. Maybe his he only he only shot threes last year. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Certainly did not shoot free throws. The uh yeah, I, I'm I'm really interested to see how how it looks because I think I do think there's a world where they just got an all-star caliber player and two first-round picks for Marcus Smart, and Brad Stevens ends up looking like an absolute genius. But I also think like the injury risk is very real, and I there's also a fit. Who knows how Tatum and Brown will work next to a big man who wants to get buckets? Because we've never really seen them with that archetype of player. They haven't. They haven't really played with another big-time scorer since Kemba Walker, and they were in totally different phases of their career, Tatum and Brown were, when Kemba was on the team. So it's just it's going to be different, and they're going to have to adjust. And But it, it could be a positive where it's like they're drawing much yeah. bigger defenders out to the perimeter because it's a Chris Stapps setting the pick, and it like allows them to attack guys off the dribble more. I think that's what like the Celtics are banking on. It's just like they're going to have a different look here with Porzingis and something where you know they've they like you you would switch a lot of Jason Tatum Marcus Smart pick and roll or just screening action they were very good at that last year that's kind of seemed like their go-to uh action when anytime they needed to kind of get the offense started it's going to be a very different look just because the you have to throw that much size just to deal with Chris Tabs. yeah yeah you do it's just totally different and the way they'll defend will be different because they're going to be funneling guys toward Chris Stapps, toward Robert Williams, and they won't have quite as much versatility without Marcus Smart although and Grant Williams, although I think O'Shea Brissett, when he plays, will give them some versatility, and like they still have a lot with Brown, Tatum, Derek White. But, but beyond those guys, they don't have that much of it, honestly. Like, they... They lost some versus and Al Horford gives them a lot of versatility too. Don't don't forget about Big Al who can still switch and move his feet and stay in front of guys at age thirty seven. But it'll just be everything's gonna be different. I I don't really know if it'll work, but it's gonna be exciting to find out.
Um, were you how how worried are you about this Brown deal, like the price of it and the fact that like like let's be honest, if if we're ranking NBA players right now, even though he was second team all NBA, if we're ranking NBA players, he's probably outside of the top twenty five. I would probably put him 20 to 25, but I take your point. But, it, okay, so even 20 to 25, like, he's definitely not one of, like, the elite, elite guys in the NBA. Um, clearly has holes, and now he's, even though it'll only be temporary, and even though it's a byproduct of just the collective bargaining agreement, he is the the highest paid guy in the NBA right now. Um, or he's not, but he has a he signed the richest contract in NBA history. Yes. How worried are you that he's not as good as his contract and there will be a gap between probably the amount of wins he's worth and the amount of wins his his contract say he's worth? I'm less concerned about that. It feels like the way you build a roster in the with this new CBA is that you're going to be able to max out two guys and kind of build around that obviously Jason Tatum I would say is a top five player in the NBA right now and so you're just not gonna like I would probably put him like closer to seven or eight yeah but that's because you're a you're a hater and not a believer okay um, so let's let's rank your top five Jokic Giannis Tatum Luka Three. I would probably put I think he's in that conversation. I think it's like tears. I think it's Durant, Curry, washed, washed. No, they're not washed, but I think they're not uh, in their primes anymore. I think there's injury well, Curry, concerns. Curry whipped the Celtics' ass a year ago. That was a year ago, though, and then he couldn't beat the <laughs> Lakers in the last year's playoffs. Okay, I think Tatum. I think Tatum's like in that conversation. I think clearly it's Jokic and Giannis, and then there's a tier of. I would say Tatum, Luca. I would still probably have Steph in there. I think KD, if he shows he's healthy, he's probably in there. And then I think it's like another tier of like LeBron, probably Booker, Ja, or, uh, Butler, Butler, Joel Embiid. I'd have to give credit for being good in the regular season. Um, <laughs> Shouts to him for getting married. Uh, but I don't know. Just to get back to like the Brown question, it's like. Yes, I think his flaws were very much highlighted in Game 7 when Jason Tatum rolled his ankle and like he's not a creator uh, off the dribble. I think Jalen Brown's going to get better, but I just like think this is what you kind of have to do in the modern NBA. I don't know what team is going to be successful without having two max or super max guys on their roster and kind of like figuring out there. We haven't really seen a team win a championship with just one guy anymore, and so... I think this is just what happens. Like you're gonna have to overpay your second banana in the NBA. So I'm not like concerned about like the amount because it's also percentage of the cap. And like, yes, the number the sticker value of Jalen Brown's contract is huge, and you see $69 million, but from everything I'm hearing, and by that everything I'm hearing, I mean uh listening to Zach Lowe's podcast, the pot like the cap's gonna go up 10% like every year. And so the percentage of the salary cap that Jalen Brown's contract takes up will be lesser and less. And I think we're just going to have to get used to stars in the NBA making more 
they're all of them are going to be making 65 plus million dollars. And so relative to the league five years from now, I don't think the Jalen contract is going to be as astronomical as it seems right now. I would also say like, this is kind of reductive to say, and it sucks to say, say um, like as much as we analyze and as much as every little detail, every roster spot, every person on the team matters. So much for the Celtics will come down to whether Tatum goes from that top five or top eight player to like top three. Because historically, every team that wins a title has basically an MVP. Like it's LeBron, it's Steph, it's Kawhi when he was just on an absolute heater, it's Jokic, Giannis. Giannis, like you have an MVP and Tatum he finished fourth in MVP last year but there was a huge gap or at least a significant gap between him and the actual top guys like the very very best and at the highest levels of basketball that matters and it matters to have that guy who's just going to kick everyone's ass no matter what every single night every single possession every single quarter and Tatum is very close. Like if he doesn't, if he doesn't roll his ankle though, and they win Game Seven, and we're talk like we're just talking about Tatum being like going to final back to back finals. Like, but we could also be there. talking about him losing to an MVP in back to back finals or an MVP like Steph Curry and then Jokic. He certainly like the way Jokic was playing. Yes, so I would probably would have lost that series, but also there would have been a gap between and a, probably a pretty major one between Jokic in that series and Tatum in that series. Um, so I think like that's going to matter as much as anything else. We can talk about whether Jalen's worth his contract. We can talk about whether Porzingis will be a great fit. At the end of the day, they just need Jason Tatum to turn from like amazing ass kicker to amazing ass kickingist. <laughs> You know, like, like, yeah, I think that's what many people are saying or framing the most amazing ass kicker. That's it. Like, it's and it sucks because so much of the NBA is just do you have the top guy needs to be top guy? Yeah. Yeah. And and they've come close. Obviously, like, the argument about whether those guys can be the one guy, the two guy on a title team is it's stupid because they were super close two years ago. They almost made the finals last year. If Tatum doesn't get hurt on the first play, they probably do make the finals or had a very good chance of making the finals. And, but like the biggest thing to me is just can Tatum, can Tatum reach that next? So, cause Brown's, I don't think he's, he's going to do that. Like, I don't think he has I don't think any he's going to be a superstar, but I do think he's going to get better over the course of this contract. I feel like he's gotten better every year in the league. Um, we can talk more about Tatum and Brown. We probably will for the rest of the summer, but I do before we get well, out of here. The next like decade. Yeah, over the next, at least the next <laughs> six years. Um, yeah. Did you listen to Grant Williams on the JJ Reddick podcast? And were you as fascinated by his comments about Ime and Joe Missoula as I was? I listened to certain parts of it, including that one. Uh, they loved eBay, man. They it was it was very interesting. Be like, yeah, Brad and Joe, they don't really know how to talk to guy. Or no, am I saying they? Grant was pretty honest about like how much eBay was great at like holding players accountable and being um, kind of connecting with players. 
And it was just like, it didn't seem like Joe or Brad had that same ability. And so I do think bringing in Sam Cassell or a guy who's been in the league uh, and has a better connection with players will be important. But it was just interesting to see here Grant be kind of like so frank about kind of one, the different approaches of Ime and Joe, where it's like Ime was all defense all the time. It's not like we didn't know this, but Joe was just like, we're going to make 23s a game and that's how we're going to win. But I just thought it was just like, I think maybe because Grant's no longer with the France. Like, I think if Grant's on the Celtics anymore, he doesn't be as revealing in those answers. Um, so it's just interesting to hear that kind of the perspective he provided on like having to deal with three coaches in three seasons. I also think like Grant probably like his comments were probably more favorable to Ime partly because Ime he thrived made him under a bigger Ime? part yeah. of that team. Yeah. And and so he saw Ime differently than he saw Joe, even though he still expressed a lot of respect for Joe. Um and then the other part is like it was a weird disconnect from the Celtics players between how they saw like their path to being a champion or championship. Like they thought they should focus on defense. And really in the end, Joe Mazzula was proven right. <laughs> they needed better offensive focus. They needed better offensive execution. They needed that. And it went away again deep in the playoffs. And so he spent the whole season focusing on what was most important to the team's title quest. And, and what I, I, what I believe is most important, like they needed to be a better offensive team and they weren't again, good enough when it mattered to win a championship, to beat in this case, the heat the year before the warriors. So I don't know. Some of it I think is, well, how much just they like, built like victim a, a, to narrative too, because like they were like, shitty two years ago, and then but, their but it's also it, to me like the way people look back on things is like like it's it's all hindsight talk. Like if the Celtics had won a championship or if they had gotten back to the finals, I think players would would have thought Joe made the right call. Joe focused on offense. We needed more offense. We needed to be better in those moments. But because they lost a step earlier, then the whole way you look back at the season is different. Um, maybe See, that's the, just the thing about the old days is they the old days. They were the yeah. But so again, like I think this season again, one of the biggest challenges, maybe the biggest challenge for the Celtics, will be: can they be great in the highest leverage moments deep in the playoffs? Can they be great in the second half of playoff games against? awesome defenses can they figure out zone defenses can they figure out little irritating heat guards yapping at their feet all game long can they can they do that i don't know we'll see but again like as and i think it obviously the Celtics players a number of them came out and said like we should have been a defensive minded team we are a defense first team whatever that needed to be our identity but I think Joe was. They also had a right pretty good defense on the other stuff. They were the number two deep, but it wasn't. It wasn't as good, it, even though like statistically they were close. It wasn't. No, it wasn't the like, best. They never defense touched ever. the same level. Yeah. They never touched the same level. I do think it was just funny to hear Grant say like, Joe thought if we hit twenty threes in a game, we're going to win, and so like that feels like it's a clear like, 
you talk about Missoula ball, but it's like clearly that was a point of emphasis, like make 23s, make 23s, make 23s. And it's like funny just to break the game down to like exactly that, because there were some times in the playoffs where they didn't make many uh, anywhere close to that. And it just looked like they had an awful offense. And then we can get dragged back into like whether high three point variance is going to be a, a problem for them in the playoffs and whether that's sustainable or not. But what we got three more months of summer before we can break all of that down. Uh, talk about more. Any news on the Blake Griffin front? Is he coming back? Is Luke Cornett coming back? What what's the what's the next to happen with filling out the roster? Well, Luke Luke Cornett is still under contract with the Celtics. Oh well, that's good to know. So I presumably he's coming back. <laughs> he has it's a non guaranteed deal, but he is under contract with the Celtics. So yes, you will you will see more Luke Cornett. So and well, that's then, good. I don't know the Celtics still they obviously still have some things to figure out on the fringes. I think for them right now. Like pretty clearly, the they have more of a need on the wing than in the front court. Uh, but they could want another front court guy, another big man, because Porzingis could be hurt, Robert Williams could be hurt. Um, so we'll see. But Jay Scrub two way deal. Give me give me a thirty second reaction. To the Jay Scrub two way deal. Uh, he he yeah. had a very good summer league, productive summer league, impressive score. I I asked you for thirty seconds and you feel seven of it. Come on, come on. Well, we're at the Jay Scrub portion of the podcast, which means, yeah, and Jay's p- performing like a scrub. Am I right, folks? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, All right. I am. That's going to do it for us. Uh, oh, I have to shout out um, Master Trumpet Gold and Rids. They asked for a shout out, so I gave it to them. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode. We'll be back. Uh, we'll get uh, you know a full half hour from Jay on the Jay Scrub two-way deal. Uh, thank you guys for listening, folks. We'll be back next week with another episode of 